What is off the groove? It means you've blown the line or you're pushing the limits a little bit too far or just maybe you might be looking for a faster way around the racetrack. Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. What are you ready for? To get it started. The party? No. No. Start what the episode. Want to get started? Let's get the episode started like we usually do. We've been doing at least the last couple April 19th. April 19th. Oh, 2019. You owe me a Episode Dr. Pepper. 74. Look at that. Yeah, I was going to say Jinx, you owe me a Coke, but you're a Dr. Pepper fan. April 19th, 2019. Episode number 74. 74. 74. So we were going to have this great big name from Texas on, uh, and, and he stood me up. So I'm going to call somebody out, Carter. I haven't done this yet. You're calling so somebody I'm out? Gonna, whoa, whoa, whoa. Is this necessary? Yeah, I'm calling them out right this is necessary. Here on we don't the podcast. Need to, you're calling them out right now. You did kind of tease it last week, hoping that it would happen. Exactly. I, guess it I wanted to talk to the second winningest mechanic in the pit area. Yeah. Which we know that's Kenny Tolbert. Yeah. And Jared Meese gave me his number and said, "Keep just keep bugging him, keep bugging him," and he just stopped texting me back. So uh, maybe Kenny he's Tolbert, busy. Maybe he's busy. What trying to end the in the drought? <laughs> you are on this drought kick man, uh, man it's Ooh. only seven races and like he's allowed I, to lose I know. I know but after dominating the last two years we expected Mies to continue off where he left off the last couple of years probably i don't know so you're calling anyway. out you're calling out kenny like if, if people see him in the pits they should be like hey kenny do your off the groove episode and get it over with get it done man exactly exactly call scotty dupler set it up get it done there you go well he doesn't even have to call you're going to be texting him probably again to try to get the, are you done are, you're not giving up well, on kenny he could at least text me back at least answer me oh he, he, he did he did a couple times then he just went cold on me i don't know him that well he seems like a busy. good dude he seems like a good dude i'm sure he'll get back well, to you you know what's going on he's too busy fishing uh well i mean it's fishing season him and bubba down there fishing Not talking bubba to scotty either. dubler fishing i don't know man that's yeah i yeah i, don't I know might either. i might go fishing too dude we got a lot to talk about in this, yeah in, in the open i was and gonna then say we got a good guest and then we gotta then we gotta wrap things up too it's gonna be busy tonight so i guess when you have three weeks off uh in between races you get some time to build up some storylines there's a lot of things to talk about going into texas so let's let's get to it what about the the, the write-up that you that you shared with me about james monaco oh did you see that lawless's write-up that was badass i i personally don't like to read i haven't <laughs> read it yet i'm gonna try to do it you need to i'm not I know. I just don't like to read. Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll call Lawless and I'll just have him do voiceover of his writings so he can just read it to you. Okay, that'd be perfect. He's done some like crazy shit too. He's done like what? He's done international writing too. Like they've translated his stuff overseas. It's crazy. He's uh, he's doing big things. That Michael Lawless guy. Um, but oh. no, you you need to do yourself a favor and read what he wrote about James. It's it's badass. Monica's a badass, and he hit the nail on the head with this one. It's it's a home run for sure. What else did you see yesterday on uh, on social media? Uh, it's the best thing that I've seen all year on social media. I just gotta say, Graham's <laughs> Graham. I hate asking how old a lady is, but how old is Graham? In she, her, she's not scared and she's not shy. But yeah, she is actually eighty-seven years old now. Eighty-seven years old, posting Throwback Thursday and the best Throwback Thursday I've seen ever. Doobler on his yammy. <laughs> On Facebook, I'm wearing my Bull Taco shirt because my dad rode Bull Tacos most of his, you know, or a lot of the, you know, when I was growing up, that was what he was racing. Yeah. But that actually, that was her Yamaha. She got it for her birthday. I think I was about five years old and I ended up 
when I got big enough, that ended up being my motorcycle later on in life. You rode that same bike later on. Yeah, that's, that's a, a YZ80. I love it. If, if you guys aren't on Facebook or follow Kathy Dubler, do yourself a favor, do that instantly so you can see this photo. It's priceless. It's awesome. It's good Absolutely. shit, dude. That's awesome. I love that photo. I know. Um, well, guess what? What? I'm in Texas already. You're already in Texas. Yeah. Did you did you got, fly there on your private jet? What's going on? No, it, it's it's a three hour drive from my house. This is the closest national to my house, so I got to drive to this. Texas one. is? Oh, I guess they don't do Oklahoma anymore. It might come back next Sorry. year, maybe. That's a sore subject, I guess. I hope. I hope. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, but, moving so, on. Yeah, we got enough three, Texas three to talk hours. about. Yeah. Texas. Three hours away from my house. I'm in Texas, and uh, I'm pretty excited because they've actually they started working on the track on Tuesday, Chris, and they've turned it up. They yeah. brought you know when the sprint cars go out there, they they tend to brush off the good dirt and push it up high. They've actually resurfaced it and brought the good stuff down and, and reworked the dirt in. So nice. that's a good sign. They've also let us use calcium chloride down there, which will keep the moisture in the dirt. I remember last year, the last couple of years actually, it's been real patchy i would say it's real inconsistent yeah and as a rider it's terrible because you get a good you throw it in the corner you get a good slide then all of a sudden you hit it you hit a dry spot or a slick spot either way and it, it changes everything on the way you're in the corner and stuff like that so i'm glad they're taking extra steps to make the track better for our riders they've definitely had some concerns there with the track in texas in the past so it's good to see that they're taking the extra care to make sure that those are addressed and uh you know anything moving in that direction of making the track safer for the for the riders is a plus for sure and if the riders are, are feeling good, if, if it's safer, they're going to put on a lot better racing. Yep. There should be a, a wider groove. We have a lot going on. There's three classes racing in Texas, and it's three of our classes. It's not like a bonus class like the Astro Invitational. It's not like the, the Super Hooligan class. It is three AFT classes, and that puts more rubber down on the track. It gets, you know, it should widen the groove, and it should be for some good racing. It's it's a crazy format to keep track of. If you haven't downloaded the 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 American Flat Track app, you can do that. There's a free app on there. You can see the, you know, the minute by minute almost. I mean, yeah. it, it gets thrown off sometimes, but the the day form, the format of the day is right there, you know, for you to look at. And it's, it's crazy. It's going to be busy. I got to tell you, following the racing is so much easier with that app. So, I mean, I would recommend it to anybody who, who doesn't have it already. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this pans out with the, throwing the, the production twins in the mix. Um, and some uh, some of the some interesting riders going in the production twins. There's some interesting riders in the singles that we haven't seen this year, right? Well, the biggest news, I think a few days ago, uh, AFT put out a press release, and, and Terry Reimer had been talking to me about this for a little while, but Danny Eslick's going to be riding double duty. We'll talk about his twin in just a second, but he's going to be filling in for Dawson Schieffer, who's out. He broke his thumb in that crash in turn one at Atlanta, had some surgery, has some pins placed in it right now. They're shooting to come back sometime out in California hopefully Paris. So hopefully he'll make a speedy recovery. But in the meantime, Danny Eslick gets the nod to ride that Yamaha. So number 64 will be Danny Eslick. Slick in the singles. I love it. I can guarantee you one thing. He's going to have a hell of a time and have fun because that's one thing he always does when he's on a motorcycle, right? Dude, every time he comes off the racetrack, take that helmet off, there's a smile on that kid's face. Ear to he ear just, grin. He's out there to have yeah. fun. Yeah, ear-to-ear -ear grin yeah. every time, no matter what he's doing. I love it. All right, so there's another new face uh, this weekend in the singles class. Tell us a little bit about this guy, because I don't know anything about him. I, I don't know much about him either, but Graham's become a big fan of this kid. It's James Ott. He's number 193. He's from California. He's been running a lot of the West Coast stuff. Well, now he's got his pro license, and he's making a pro debut 
Uh, he's been coming over to Arizona quite a bit, racing some of their races. So uh, looking forward to see this kid race on the national circuit. Love seeing some young blood, some new guys coming into the sport. That's great. Um, so uh, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the heavy hitters that we know are going to play factors in the singles in the singles event this weekend. There are some heavy hitters. There Janish, are some heavy Romley, hitters. Romley, tied for second in the point standings, and like you pointed out, it's Roof Systems' backyard. So both those guys have you know Janish full on Roof Systems. Of course, Bromley's got the uh, factory red bull ktm with help from roof systems so both of them want to do good in their in, you know in their sponsor's backyard absolutely mikey rush should uh should go well in texas as well and uh you know regardless of what anyone says i think he's still a strong contender for that championship this year in singles absolutely he's got help from american honda he's got help from uh, al lamb's dallas honda who who's the presenting sponsor the title sponsor of this race so that gives him a little extra incentive to do well um he's not known as a tt rider he came out of there with a strong finish he looked good in Atlanta. He's sitting fourth in the points. Mikey Rush, you know, he could possibly win this thing Saturday night. Speaking of winning this thing, the guy that wanted this this thing last year, uh, Morgan Mishler. I mean, you can't, I mean, he's running that KTM, right? Yeah, and he looks strong. It's the Waters Auto Body KTM, and they've been strong all season so far. And, you know, I let him shower in my room the night before Atlanta, and uh, he got second in Atlanta nice. last year. That's kind of weird, but okay. Talking about letting him shower. I let him shower in my room before the Texas win. He sleeps in his van. He wants to be at the track first thing in the morning. He wants to be at the track. So he sleeps in his van, showered in my room, and then left. So it's like a superstition uh, thing now. It is now, yeah, exactly. I got you. So uh, I'm sure I'll be seeing him tonight. Yeah, there's there's a shower in my room. Those war KTMs have been running strong. Some might say even stronger than the factory. I know that's a new effort and everything. But they've been, I mean, they've been running up there in front. And we're, we're getting to some of the tracks that Shannon Texter and Dan Bromley do better at. So yeah. we'll see if that evens out. But yeah, Mishler is definitely on fire right now. And with the momentum from winning here last year, that will carry over into tomorrow night. Definitely have some other contenders there in the singles class. You got Ryan Wells with Estenson and you've got Chad Coase who's still running that singles. He's actually going to be running production twins as well. What's he riding in production twins? Chad Coase, I just read on the entry list, is riding for Parkinson Brothers Racing, who's yeah. won championships before on this Kawasaki Twin, and uh, that's news to me, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Chad on the production twin. Only podium of his career he got in Texas last year in the Twins class, right? Last year in the AFT Twins class, he got third, yeah, and he got to celebrate up there on that podium, so now he knows what it feels like. Okay, nice. So we'll see. There's And Coase isn't the only interesting one running this production Twins class. we got a whole list of people here. Dalton Gautier is running production Twins as well. And I haven't seen any announcements about this yet, but he's on the Racing Unlimited Kawasaki that actually Shannon Texter won some races on. Uh, Corey Texter rode this bike a few times. Davis Fisher's rode that bike a few times. So Dalton Gauthier's on a good, solid motorcycle in the production twins. We know he's fast in the singles. He's leading the points in the singles class. So he's going to be interesting. You know, at the end of the night, these guys, their tongue's going to be dragging. They're gonna, they're riding a lot of a lot of times out there in Texas. Yeah, and you got Ben Lau, who's uh, riding for Roof Systems again in the backyard with there. You got Danny Eslick, who's also riding, what what's he, he riding the Black Hills Harley-Davidson? Yeah, with help from Terry Reimer, set this whole thing up, and it's actually one of the first uh, XG750s that they built to make it look like a flat tracker. Okay. Right? You know, when the, when, the, when the XG was released, you know, they're a street bike, one of the first ones that Vanson Hines ever got. This is what Danny Essex going to ride, and I heard a little rumor that he might have done some testing there this week. Interesting. Um, yeah, and so, uh, no, it's not a rumor. Terry Reimer actually called me and said that <laughs> Eslick is excited, and he's ready to rock that XG750, and he's got a good chance of winning. I saw that photo on uh, the America Flat Track posted. It's pretty badass looking. Um, one that surprised you was Kel Kolkman in production. Why, why did that surprise you? 
Well, because he's having such a good year in the AFT Twins class. I mean, we talked to him after the race at Daytona. You know, we did the pit walk after, you know, the post-race walk, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And he was, he, he did so good. I mentioned his name so much and he had a good showing at Atlanta. And I just figured he'd stay in the, in the AFT Twins class. You know, there's more money up for grabs, but maybe he wants to win a championship and Maybe this, he feels, this is a smarter move. So, Kel Cookman's in the production twins class on the 98 bike. Another one of the Yamahas that's in that class is Colby Carlisle, and he had a good run at Daytona, and, and he's got some momentum, so he could do good in this class as well. Yeah, I mean, he was what, right out of the gate in that, in that twins class, um, being competitive in the, in the top five, six uh, riders there in Daytona. So, I mean, he's going to do some damage, and, you know, he's already got a championship under his belt from that singles class, uh, looking maybe for another one uh, the first, uh, first time he's running this production twins class. Gonna be exciting. Gonna be exciting. Yeah, one thing, uh, so it's 15 Cowies, uh, four Yamahas, and one Harley Davidson, right? Yeah, and not surprised. That's what the production class is about. I think I was expecting almost all Kawasaki's. The only big surprise to me, well, two big surprises, Kilt Kokman on the Yamaha and then the Harley. We, you know, we didn't know uh, Danny was going to be riding that XG. So I thought it was going to be all Kawasaki's. So uh, four Yamahas, we did hear, you know, Corey Texas riding the G&G Yamaha as well. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how this uh, class plays out. And I like the class. I like the purpose that it, it's, it is. And it's more seat time for some of these riders who are making the transition from singles up to the production twins and then hopefully up to the AFT twins class. Putting you on the spot. If these twenty right, if these twenty riders were the only riders to compete in production class, production twins class, who wins the championship? Ooh. Well, what I don't know is I don't know if Danny's riding the whole year. Let's just assume he is. Um, man, that's a that's a tough one. Put, I know put him, you're not on the, the only one that you're not put, the only one that puts people on the spot. I'm putting you on the spot. Right, right. So putting me on the spot, answer. I would love to see Chad Coase. If this Parkinson Brothers racing deal is for real for the whole year, yeah, he's got good equipment. I think that's a good step in the right direction. I I, I could see him win the championship. Gotcha. All right, there you go. There's Scotty Dubler's prediction. Twins. Let's move on to twins. AFT twins now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The big boys. The so, Rolling Thunder Show. That's confusing because there's two twins. twins. Oh, that was Monster Trucks. I'm sorry. That was yeah. Monster Trucks. That was last weekend. Yeah, that will be a little confusing, I guess, because you got the twins and the twins, but production twins and twins. AFT twins? I don't know. But So, Smith, boy's going to be looking for some redemption this week in Texas, huh? Well, if we think back, this is where he fell off, broke his leg, missed most of the season. So yeah. it wasn't his fault. He just kind of lost the front end going to turn number one and caused that big pile up with uh, Jake Johnson was in it. Danny uh, Danny Essick was in it. Bonzi going to the uh, moon. Bonzi went straight up to the sky. So, you know, he's looking. <laughs> Take off. So Smith looking for some redemption. Uh <laughs> He was running strong at Daytona. Struggled a little bit last at the last round in Atlanta, but I'm looking for him to recoup here. Uh, and and you remember what? This is this is a new bike, Carter. So they're they're still working out the bugs. He'll he'll be running up front. Yeah, and I mean you can't even say that it's been bad. It is a new effort that that they're riding that new bike. It's not too late to turn it around, and it's not bad considering you know what he's been dealing with here at the start of the season. So another interesting thing this weekend that I'll be interesting to see is this PJ Jacobson guy. Everybody's talking about this guy. I know nothing about this guy. Is he gonna? Is he gonna make a difference? Is he gonna? You think he's a contender for the win? I don't know if he'll be a contender for the win right out of the box. It's been a while since he was at a Grand National flat track race. Uh, he is on a good team. He's on Team Nyla with help from Kenny Coolbeth now. So basically, it's the same bikes and everything that Kenny Coolbeth was riding last year. I've heard they've made some uh, personnel changes in that camp. I'm not 100% sure exactly who all's helping them, but. You know, you put Kenny Coolbeth, a veteran with 
PJ Jacobson, a veteran road racer. He's uh, he's done really good, some Grand National flat track races as well. He'll be running 199. His former number was 99. So coming into the series, he has to add a one at the start. So he'll be 199. Uh, keep your eyes on PJ Jacobson. Badass. I can't wait to see what he does. Um, Robinson, obviously, he's got momentum. There's been, what, three weeks between this and the last race. But I guarantee you, they're still feeling that momentum from Atlanta. They're looking to carry that into Texas. Um, and given the way he's been running lately, you can't count that dude out, you know, to win this well, one. Also, what he has in his back pocket too is he finished fourth here last year on the Factory XG750. So if you could, if he could run fourth on the on the Factory Harley, he knows his way around the track. It sounds like that means he's gonna he's gonna have the momentum coming into to tomorrow night. I think he'll be the, the favorite to win for me. I, I didn't even realize that he finished fourth here last year on on the Harley. Yes, sir. Huh. Well then, yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Back to back wins. Get it Boom. done. Get it done. Um, one guy I know that's really going to be looking to spoil that, though. <laughs> You've already brought it up once this episode and like four times before we started recording. Mies, if you're listening, I don't know if you know, but it's been seven races, buddy. Seven races. Without a win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, he knows that for sure. Wow. He knows what well, we're I'm I'm just letting our fans know that uh, Mies is on a cold spell right now. I mean, seven races. I mean, I went my whole career and never won a Grand National. Right. A lot of people do. Actually, if you look at the national number list, only 13 of those riders maybe 14 now that we got uh, Ronnie Jones back in there. Only 14 of those guys ever won a Grand National. So I'm just, you yeah. know, kind of saying it's hard to do, but we expected me to already have won a race. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, well, it's we're am- only two races in. It's amazing that we're even bringing it up like it's a thing. Like, you you haven't won in seven races, right? Like, uh, but it's, I mean, people did expect him to come out swinging like he did last year. And uh, I don't know if the competition has just stepped up or, you know, getting you know people on indians and having that experience has kind of leveled the playing field i don't know but uh but yeah he he definitely hasn't so uh we'll see we'll see if texas he can he he won here last year right yeah he didn't have the lead briar bauman led the first four laps jared meese passed him right there i think lap five and led the rest of the lap so he knows his way around the texas half mile too so meese actually could be up there contending for the win i expect him to be a, a podium finisher for sure yeah and you know you said you passed briar last year briar and bronson both the bauman brothers coming out strong you know with factory indians they'll be looking to make some noise here in texas as well for indian motorcycle yeah i think there'll be you know two other guys to be up there in the hunt in the thick of things top fives for both of them uh briar you know he he's looking he's looking really strong he's looking for a win bronson is looking for his first ever win so can't count either one of those two guys out can't count out estenson either you know you did they had a rough atlanta you know but jd beach went down to uh road atlanta he did right. well on the on the road race side so you know he might have a little momentum going into this week uh trying to find some better results here on the flat track side I would say trying to find some traction. That's what they were dealing with at Atlanta. They're having trouble hooking up that rear tire. If you can't hook up the rear tire, Carter, you can't go forward mm-hmm. and drive off the corner. So t- maybe too much horsepower, I don't know. But uh, they're looking to turn things around here in Texas for sure. Texas could be their turning point for sure. One other one we got to keep in mind is Roof Systems' Jeffrey Carver. Yeah. Uh, you know He won this event here in 2017 on XR750. Uh, he's riding, this year he's riding the Indian backed by Roost Systems and Milwaukee, you know, Indian and Milwaukee, he can run up front as well. Yeah, we've been talking a lot about Roost Systems. It's kind of like this this weekend's race is going to be in their backyard there in Texas. Um, how many riders are for are, are racing for Roost Systems now? Would you say nine? I have nine riders on my list. What I, what I use, there could be probably some more riders that get help from Jerry. Jerry's right. a very, man, he, he'll, he'll help anybody that deserves it, he feels like. So there's nine officially riding for him. Um, 
in all three classes, there's there's riders in each class. I thought it'd be cool to talk to somebody on that team, but not necessarily a rider. Um, but I do think he works with several of those riders uh, that, of, of the nine that you mentioned. Andrew Butler. You know Andrew Butler? I do know Andrew Butler. I'm pretty sure I raced with his dad, Mike, uh, man, quite a few years ago. And Andrew carried on and raced himself. And he's been turning wrenches for a while. He's worked for Sammy Halbert and some other people. I don't know a lot about him, so I'm really excited to talk to this guy and and find out what he does, what's his new role with roof systems. I, I, you know, there's so many riders. Does he help all of them? Does he help the singles? Does he help the production twins? Does he help the AFT twins? You know, what's his primary focus on a race day? Yeah, it's uh, he's a good dude, down to earth dude, and uh, he used to race himself too, right? So like, and still does from time to time. What he he like took Vanderkoy's bike or something and won a race or something last year, right? Jared Vanderkoy still owns a few motorcycles. He rode yeah. one of Jared's bikes and went out there and, and whooped everybody. We'll have to ask him about that for sure. But I thought it'd be cool to talk to him heading into Texas, you know, and get get a little context for for roof systems and uh, you know, kind of what he's doing for that team in 2019. Let's give him a call. Let's do it. <laughs> Are you on the right Wi-Fi? I'm double check, but I was earlier. Are you recording? I'm not doing this again. It's ringing. Hello. Andrew Butler, this is, is this the, the mechanic that's take care of all the riders in the pit area? <laughs> uh, something like that. Man, what's been going on? I haven't talked to you since Atlanta. You been doing all right? Yeah, just uh, enjoying the last uh, three weeks off, uh, working my day job a little bit at the office and spending time at the house with the wife, trying to get things done that I can't during race season. Cool, that's awesome. So now you're down at the Roof Systems uh, shop right now, checking out all the bikes and getting everything ready for tomorrow? Yes, uh, here in Dallas, uh, Roof Systems, where he does all his roofing business, and he's got his bike shop here, all the race bikes in here, and offices and everything. How's it so quiet? Did you kick everybody out because off the group was that important to you? Yeah, they didn't want to hang out with me. They just kind of dropped me off here with a key and uh, an air mattress and said, have fun. have fun, we'll see you tomorrow. All right, <laughs> that sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> well, let's, let, let's dive in and get to know Andrew Butler. I don't personally know a whole lot about you, so I'm excited for this interview, and, and I appreciate the time for sure. But uh, I, I know you used to race a little bit, and we'll talk about your racing in just a few moments. But before we do that, let's get to know the backstory. So where were you born? I was born in Cincinnati, Ohio. I got gotcha. you. Did you grow up there? Yep, lived there my whole life, and I still live there now. And I don't oh. see myself leaving anytime soon. What's it like growing up in Cincinnati? It's not too exciting. Um, it's uh, suburbs, pretty much, for me. Uh, I know it seems like every one of these off-the-grooves I've listened to, everyone says they grew up in a rural area. I always laugh because that's not me. I grew up with the neighbors 30 feet away, and it's all asphalt everything. So uh, a little different, uh, but not bad. I, I guess I don't know anybody from Cincinnati, so that's kind of cool to talk to somebody from there. How did you get in, into motorcycles? Uh, I got into motorcycles through my dad. Uh, he's a racer, is a racer, was a racer, and then my grandpa raced as well. So it's kind of in the family. I couldn't really avoid it. <laughs> I got you. Did they both race flat track? I know your dad did. Did your grandpa race flat track as well? My grandpa did a little bit. He would have been, I believe, what they called a novice. He didn't do a whole lot of races, but he always tells those war stories about how there'd be 250 riders and you could win your heat race and not make the main event. So he, he did a little bit of it. He, uh, he was 
more into like the indoor concrete stuff and he did all right at some of those but uh grandpa kind of called it quits early so my dad could race more when he was younger man that's awesome i'm a third generation flat tracker as well that's pretty cool so what was it about motorcycle racing that appealed to you you know i don't know how to answer that one exactly um i've been doing it for a long time i didn't really you know i started when i was four years old and so it's just all i've really done i don't know there was nothing that appealed to me because I never really, like I say, I didn't have a choice, but uh, it's just what I've always done, and I, I love it, so I, I wouldn't change it. <laughs> okay. What was your first memory at a racetrack? I know mine was going to the racetrack to watch my dad race and, and a little bit local track at, at home in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Do you remember your first memory at a racetrack? I can't honestly say my first memory. Uh, it's going to be at Lawrenceburg Speedway in uh, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. That's where uh, my dad raced the most. It was only 20 minutes from our house. I was going there when I was in a stroller. I was I was there when my mom was pregnant with me, so I've been there my whole life. My first memory of racing is definitely going to be uh, going to Lawrenceburg and watching my dad and, and then going there and racing myself so that's where your first race do you did you win your first race or do you remember how you finished i'd be willing to bet that i did not win my first race uh <laughs> i have no idea i i don't even remember my first race really uh, it's kind of all a blur but i just remember i remember a year or two going there with uh my little honda z50 and i got a, a lot of last place trophies or participation trophies and i still have a handful of them today but uh, my mom threw away most of them. I, I had a lot. Do you, do you remember any of the riders you looked up to as a kid when you were first you know, going to the races? Yeah. Um, well, first off, my dad, uh, he was racing when I was little, and he was, I don't even know what it would have been called back then, he, some form of pro or expert rider. He, did a, he rode like uh, road Texas and then 500 Hondas, that kind of stuff. And then uh, I didn't really go to a lot of – pro races or nationals until i was a little bit older so the guy i looked up to the most would be sam Lowe, because he was the local expert rider and he was the one winning the pro class at Lawrenceburg every week and he was the most exciting one to watch so sam was the guy i looked up to and still is really but yeah and that's trent's dad and you actually are working with with trent now is that right yes it is it is trent's dad <laughs> All right, yep, that's, he's, that's, uh, he's the one I'm helping. That's pretty cool. We'll talk about that a little bit more later, but that's pretty cool how that all worked out. I, di I didn't really put two and two together, so that's really neat. So uh, what were the types of tracks that you used to, used to race on when you first got started? You know, like, like what kind of dirt did you race on? Well, it was mostly Lawrenceburg at first, uh, which was just uh, – it's a tiny track. I don't think it's even a quarter mile, um, and it's just clay. It's not like red – clay it's kind of like a mixture of uh almost like river sand because it's right there uh near the ohio river and then just uh just some some plain dry indiana clay and uh it, it just gets a big black groove on it and can be kind of slippery but uh that's mostly what i raced on at first and then when i got a little bit older uh we started going to some half miles and i'm sure as everyone knows in ohio we're known for our cushion limestone half miles so I went from clay short track to cushion half mile. I got you. Did you have any other hobbies when you were growing up besides racing? Um, not really. Just motorcycles all the time. It would be uh, whether it was motocross bikes or trials bikes. 
bikes. Uh, I had a trial bicycle that I rode a lot with my friends, uh, other racers in the Lawrenceburg area, and basically motorcycles and bicycles all the time when I was younger. Okay. Did you did you race anything else or just flat track? I did a little bit. Uh, I did a couple motocross races when I was younger. Um, once on like an 80 and then uh, one time on a 20 oh on a 125 and uh i didn't do very good and i don't even know what what kind of class i would have been in like schoolboy or something but uh I, I did a couple little motocross races and they they were cool but it just it wasn't my thing gotcha i gotcha um so you you started out when you were four and you still raced last year i, I saw a post somewhere where you rode you know jared bandicoy's own personal motorcycle and blew everybody away so do you get to race <laughs> very much anymore or are you all done um i don't get to race as much as i would like to because i'm busy going to these nationals which is not really a problem that's keeping me from hurting myself but uh yeah i i race as much as i can um i race whenever we're not going to a national and I have my bike or someone has a bike they want me to ride or, or whatever uh, the situation is. I try to go racing. I've been trying more lately. In the last couple of years, I, w- I was kind of sitting out completely and, you know, maybe racing once or twice at Lawrenceburg, but um, I'm trying to more lately. Do you have one on the schedule right now that you're looking forward to, or you got one coming up that you're racing yourself? Man, I really want to ride at Greenville again, where I rode Jared's bike. Um, I'm a pretty big fan of that place. It's a cushion half mile, and it's not too crazy. It's not too rough, not super fast of a half mile. I feel pretty comfortable there. So uh, hopefully when Greenville comes around, I'll ride there. So that's uh, you know a pretty neat half mile. Actually, there was nationals there before. Is that still the day before and the day after the Lima half mile? I believe so. They've been doing that the last couple of years now. I think Robbie Bobby's been putting that one on, um, and he does a great job with it. And I think I rode there last year, actually, at Robbie Bobby's race the, the night before Lima. I rode my 450 in, in my twin, and I didn't do very good, but I had a good time. Um, and then uh, Len Neely puts on a race there. I think he does two races there. That's when I went and rode Jared's bike with that lens race, and uh, he does a phenomenal job of putting the race on and prepping the track. So... Uh, it's, it's, it's a great place. It's a really, it's a great half mile ride for sure. So how long did you, did you race as an amateur? That's an excellent question. Um, a long time. I think I was trying to add it up earlier and it was like, I think I raced for 17 years total. Four or five of those years were as a pro singles rider. Um, so I raced for a long time. I started when I was four, I raced all the way up until I was 16 as an amateur and then switched over to the, the pro stuff how hard is the transition i asked my riders that we have on here a lot but as a mechanic and and a former rider how hard of a transition do you think it is to go from amateur to the professional ranks it's hard you know not only because you're going to tracks that you don't know but uh the competition is just incredible and i can't even imagine it now uh, it was it was tough when i did it but just the, the riders now, the caliber of riders now, and the amount of riders now, uh, I, I can't imagine uh, trying to be a, a 16-year-old kid and then turn pro and go after it. It uh, seems kind of crazy. It's pretty crazy. I like that when you got a, your pro card, your 34F, and if I'm not mistaken, that was your dad's number too, right? Yeah, it was my dad's number, yep. I've been 34, number 34 my whole life. And then when I went pro, got the 34F. 
Man, that's awesome. I, I got lucky enough. I ran the 43 because my grandfather was 43J, so I was 43G, so it's pretty cool. I like the similarities we got going on here. I just never <laughs> transferred over into a mechanic. I went ahead and grabbed the microphone. I thought that was a little easier route. I, I would argue with you on that one. Okay, all right. Well, I, I'd rather have a <laughs> microphone than a wrench in my hand. It might be dangerous if I was in the pit area. So, uh, man, let's let's talk about that transition from from stopping you know racing i mean you still race a little bit but how did you transition into becoming a mechanic it's a little bit of a story uh i think it would be 2014 um i was full-time pro racer going on all the races and i got the opportunity to go on the west coast swing with sam halbert and he hauled my 450 and me to all the races so we went to elmo washington sacramento castle rock washington uh, then we hit Sturgis and then back to Indianapolis, I think. And uh, so I got to go do all those races. And when I went out there, I went, it was just, you know, my dad wasn't with me. So it was my first time going racing without my dad, you know, to nationals and just all me. And I didn't do so good. <laughs> I didn't, I don't think I made it. I did not make a single main event um, at any of those races I went to. And it was kind of hard. And I, during that trip, I actually was helping out Sammy and his dad, Willie. Uh, they were putting together a Kawasaki, and uh, it was crazy. It was like all kinds of rigged together. We nicknamed it Cyborg. And uh, <laughs> I knew a little bit of how to work on one because my dad and I had been building one ourselves, the Kawasaki Twin. And um, so when they were having some troubles with stuff, I kind of jumped in and was helping and I found myself really enjoying it because on that whole trip, I wasn't having any fun working on my own bike, but when I was helping Willie or Sammy with, with his stuff, I was liking it a lot. And uh, Willie told me several times, you know, you should do this. You should be a mechanic. And I was like, I don't know about that. And I uh, didn't do so well at the races. And uh, I was really thinking about it. And, you know, Sammy had asked me if I was interested. And then uh, I at the last race of that year at Pomona, I got to ride Sammy's Yamaha 450, uh, one of his Vans Yamaha bikes built by Woody Kyle. And uh, I liked it a lot. The Yamaha was super fast. It was probably the fastest bike I've, I've ridden 450-wise. And um, I was doing all right, but in the semi, a rider went down in front of me, and I hit the rider and then hit the air fence and uh, tore my shoulder pretty bad. I actually came out of its socket and tore some stuff internally there. And I tried to restart the race, but like a, a lap in my shoulder came out while I was riding and it was all over from there. And, uh, I had to have surgery and get it all repaired and tightened back up. And that was kind of when I was like, all right, I, sh I shouldn't be doing this. And of course, all along Sammy's like, Hey buddy, how you feeling? You want to be my mechanic? <laughs> so that's kind of how the transition went for me. I just had a, a not so good year racing and in, and traveling and doing the racing, and then uh, the the big injury there was kind of like the icing on the cake. Well, everything happens for a reason, and what I like about it is you're still involved in the sport. So, what year did you first start wrenching for him? I know you said you helped him out in that you know on that West Coast swing and the swing through Sturgis and stuff like that. What year was that, and what year did you work for Sammy Halbert? So it should have been 2015 on I think it was on New Year's Day on January 1st, I believe. He bought me a plane ticket to Seattle, and I moved out there with, with all my, my clothes and everything I had, which wasn't much because I was obviously still living with my parents, and moved to Seattle in 
stayed at the, the Halbert house with everyone and was working on 450s and working on, you know, learning with Willie on how to work on XR750s a little bit and uh, getting ready to go racing. That was the year that Sammy signed on with Briggs Auto. And so I was going to be working with Amigod on the, the Kawasaki Twins. So my responsibility was mostly to work on Sammy's 450s and take care of them uh, for the singles nationals and then uh, help Johnny Goat out in the pits of the twins nationals. Wow, so, that's awesome. So how long how long did you work with Sammy? <clears throat> I worked with Sammy for that whole year. Went to every single national with him and uh, helped Johnny all along. And uh, by the time we got to Vegas at the end of that year, I think it was like, November or something like the longest season ever. I was pretty worn out, and Sammy, my buddy Sammy, he's a he's he's a lot of fun, but he is kind of hard to live with because he is kind of particular, and well, he likes to be a boss and likes to boss you around. I tease him about all the time, but uh, yeah, I just I couldn't do it anymore. Um, I wanted to go home and, and regroup, so I had to sign off with Sammy there. I gotcha. So is that when you went to work for Sammy O? Yes. So Sammy O was trying to get something together and he was uh, looking to help out Brandon Wilhelm. And then for a, a brief time, uh, Jared Vanderkoy was with us. He traveled to the the Savannah and the Daytona short track with us. And then we kind of had to, to separate the team there just to make it work. So I worked that whole season with Brandon Wilhelm and Sammy O and uh Brandon was a rookie expert that year. So it was his first time riding the, the twin in the, the expert class and riding the his single in the extra class. So that was a, a fun year to work with him and try and help him out and he made his national number and everything that year. So So your next step after Sammy O was that working for Estenson Racing? Yes, yeah. Uh, after after working with Samuel uh, and Andrew Luper joined on that season as well, and we did some singles races. He rode my 450 and Samuel's 450. Uh, that was actually the year that Luker almost won uh, Peoria. He had that really good race with Hayden Gillum right at the very end. After I was done with all those guys, um, the next year Luker was going to ride twins for Sammy, and uh, they were kind of Sammy was reorganizing the team. Uh, didn't need a mechanic full-time, and so I kind of just sat out the first couple races of the year, and, uh, you know, I was talking to Colby a little bit, you know, after he did well at, at um, after he did well at Daytona, I, you know, I texted him, congratulated him and all that, and then he, he ended up getting a ride with Parkinson, and I was kind of texting him all along, you know, he'd ask me questions or whatever, and, you know, give him advice or tell him good job or whatever, and then uh, he wasn't doing so well with, with his ride and uh, wanted to change things up and he had an offer from Estenson and uh, I guess Tim gave him the option to pick a mechanic and for whatever reason he wanted me. I ended up jumping on with Kobe in Estenson when he joined that team and uh, I think we were halfway through the season and so I think there was eight, eight or nine races remaining is when I joined Estenson with Kobe. I gotcha. So what's it like working for Estenson Racing? Uh, it was awesome, man. Uh, Tim has a great team. He has a great facility, top-notch over there, and uh, he, he goes out of his way to, to get it and make it right. So it was a good time. Well, I had a lot of fun working there. I really did. Right on. You won the championship with, with Colby. How did that feel? It was awesome. You know, I don't 
want to take really any credit for it because, like I said, I came in halfway through the season and he had already put in the work with, you know, his, his own motorcycle and with the other team, uh, Parkinson Brothers. And uh, he, we were already halfway through the season and he had already positioned himself well in points and had been doing pretty well. So when I came in, I was just helping out however I could. And I think, you know, one of his main reasons for picking me up was because of the time I spent with Sam Halbert and in, in working on Yamahas, I knew a little bit about him. And so I think he just felt comfortable hopping on Estenson with Yamahas, having someone who knew a little bit about him. So I just tried to take everything I learned with Sammy and try to help Colby the best I could. And there was a, there wasn't much stopping him. He was, he was riding really well. Absolutely. Sure was. So uh, last year, you and Essence in parted ways, I believe, mid-season. Walk us through that. What happened? It was an up-and-down season, for sure. I mean, we we started out the season with Colby doing really well, qualifying well at Daytona, and then he had a big wreck in the semi. And uh, so that was like a, a huge kick in the gut at the beginning of the season. But then we, uh, we kind of rebounded a little bit, did all right here and there. We won two races. It was actually my first win as a tuner, technically, at Sacramento. Then we, we won Lexington as well. Just all throughout that season while I was with them, we were having issues here and there, whether it be mechanicals or anything that could jump up and bite us did. And uh, so I felt like there was some tension. I felt like, you know, we were unhappy with each other or they were unhappy at me or whatever you want to call it. And we got to Peoria and we had some issues, a couple things break and some failures. And, uh, I just felt like I couldn't do it anymore. I, uh, I didn't want to be the reason that, that Colby was not doing well. And so I just had to, uh, go my own way and, and let him do his thing. So okay. that's what happened there. Gotcha. All right. That's interesting. I didn't know the backstory on that. So, uh, we still saw you at the racetrack a little bit. I saw you a, a few times with the MJGR hat on. So did you help out Janish or Mishler, or what did you do the rest of that season? Yeah, those guys called me up right away and uh, said, hey, you know, we don't want you to do much. Just come hang out with us and help us with wrenches and help us if something goes wrong. And uh, so that's what I did. I came out for the last couple of races. They, they, you know, paid my way to get there or whatever. And uh just had me come out to the last couple of races and just assist them with whatever I could. Man, that's pretty cool. Did you like working for them? Yeah, they were a lot of fun, man. Jesse and Merg are hilarious. And uh, they don't get all wound up at the races. You know, they're not, not the, they're, they're low stress, um, which I liked because, you know, with when I was at Estenson, we were so focused on doing well and it was kind of, you know, high stress. And then to go racing with them, they didn't care if they got first or last. They were just having a good time. And so it was a complete different, you know, from what I was used to. But it, it was it was what I needed at the time was to go race with those guys. All right. That's awesome. Let's talk about the 2019 season a little bit. So heading into the season, you teamed up with Roost Systems and you work with a bunch of different riders. I mean, technically, there's about nine riders that Jerry sponsors, but I think he helps out a lot of people. So how did how did the deal come up to for you to go to work for Roost Systems? Well, I've been helping Jesse. And he was kind of partnered up with uh, Jerry Stinchfield at Roof Systems. And when we were uh, at Springfield, uh, Jerry decided he wanted to sign Trent Lowe to ride his singles. And uh, we kind of just right there at Springfield Mile in the fall kind of worked together a deal. And then uh, 
Red and Jesse helped uh, draw up a, a contract for me to, to be a mechanic for the team and to help out everyone. And uh, from there it went. And then as the off season went on or the rest of the season and off season went on, Jerry just, uh, he kept finding more guys. He wanted to have part of his team. Okay. So you worked with Trent or you, you raced with and grew up watching Trent's dad, Sam Lowe, and now you're working with Trent. Is that, is that your main mm-hmm. focus? Does just Trent Lowe or do you help out the other riders on the team? Yeah, for the most part, uh, you know, I need to help him because he's the rookie rider. He's the new pro. He has a lot to learn and uh, a lot he's working on. So I help him the most. But, yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I grew up watching his dad race, and his dad rode for my dad, you know, at one point and was riding my dad's motorcycles. And, and so now it's crazy that it's come all the way around, and here I am helping his son. Um, but, yeah, I, I help Trent mostly because he's learning a lot he doesn't know any of these racetracks and he doesn't know these riders you know as well and so i focus on him a little more than the other guys but uh if any one of these roof systems riders needs me and and yells for me uh i go and help him okay i got you so he's you know one of the most anticipated amateur riders coming through the ranks him and dallas daniels they raced you know a lot and you know all the time as amateurs um, what are your thoughts on on Trent so far? Two races into the 2019 season, um, he's doing all right. He's he's struggling a little bit with things like starts and then uh, you know changing his lineup while he's racing, which I guess you would call that rookie mistakes and and things that you need to learn and learn from. Um, and that's a uh, that's a tough one for me because I don't know how to help coach him through any of it. Um, cause most of the riders I've worked for have had a lot of experience, whether they're pro or expert. And so it's a new thing for me, but I think he's doing all right. You know, for the first two races, you know, the first one being a TT and him having a little bit of a crash there and then, then going to the short track. Uh, I think he did all right at the short track. He had speed and he did well in qualifying, but then he just couldn't put the rest together the rest of the night. He struggled with bad starts, struggled with, you know, not passing people or, or changing his line and getting past. They're just little things that he's he needs to clean up and he's working on cleaning up. But uh, I'm excited to see him on the, the half mile here in Texas. I think that he's always done better on the bigger tracks, and uh, I'm excited to, to see if he can turn it around here. Yeah, I think, you know, we had, you know, the first two rounds were pretty quick. You know, there are two completely different tracks, and then we get into, you know, the bulk of the season is going to start this weekend in Texas. So I'm excited to see him on a half mile as well. Are you helping out Oliver Brindley at all, or does does he require much help? Uh, I help out Ollie a little bit. Uh, he's got his mechanic, Charlie Vanderlin, and Charlie does a phenomenal job taking care of the bike and taking care of Ollie. I just run over and help if I see something on the racetrack and I see if, if Charlie saw the same thing and if they want to make a change. Or if Charlie's struggling to fix something, I'll come help him. You know, they, they yell for me sometimes. And I just try to pop by and uh, give advice where I can or where I think is needed. But uh, he, he's pretty well taken care of with Charlie. And then uh, also Oliver's dad, Derek, uh, is around at some of the races. Uh, he should be here this weekend as well. And so, uh, you know, those guys take care of him pretty good. I just try to, to help where I can. What's What's been your biggest challenge for you in this new role, you know, helping out this ginormous team? Um, well, being kind of hands-off as far as, uh, you know, not driving the truck, not washing bikes, not servicing them, uh, it's kind of different for me because, 
you know, the last few mechanic jobs I've had, I've been kind of doing all that stuff. So it's a little different this year because I find myself, you know, at my office job nine to five every day. And then I catch an airplane in the evening on a Friday or Thursday and head to the racetrack. So it's, it's a little different for me and I'm getting used to it. It's not so bad, but it's definitely different. All right. I got you. Are there any races in particular that you're looking forward to the most? Man, Sacramento Mile. <laughs> right. uh, not only because, you know, I got my first win with Colby there, but it's just one of my favorite places. It's my favorite track. It's it's my favorite place on earth. I always tell people that. Uh, I just love the atmosphere. I love that racetrack. I love the crowd they have there. The weather's always really nice. It's always nice in the evening. Um, it's just my favorite place, and so I'm really looking forward to going back there this year with a new team. All right, that's cool. So we're going into Texas this weekend, actually tomorrow night. We have a new class, the Production Twins class. So overall, what are your thoughts going into Texas You know, with riders in each class? I'm excited. Uh, I can't wait to see all three of these classes. I've been watching the entry list for the Production Twins class, and I'm pretty impressed with the number of riders and, and the different riders, I was seeing names in there that I was like, man, no way they're going to ride that class. And I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be a really good show. Uh, the thing I'm looking to see how it goes is how AFT runs the program, with all these classes and all these riders, especially with guys that might be riding, you know, production and singles, you know, so I'm just excited to see how it goes. Yeah, you and everyone else. I'm I'm excited too because you know it's gonna put a lot more you know bikes on the track, which should make for some better racing, some better lane, you know maybe a wider groove. I think it'll help in that aspect. But you know some of these guys are gonna have to do like they did in the amateur days and hop off of one motorcycle and hopefully have the next one sitting in staging ready to go. And to me, that's like that's like how it was when you're growing up and you you rode multiple classes. So I think you know these riders at this level should be able to handle it. But now we're gonna see who's in shape. Yeah, you know, some of the guys might be excited to do it, too, because sometimes when you go to these nationals, you're you're wishing you were out on the track when you're sitting there, you know, waiting on other other classes and other, other heat races or what, what have you. So I think some guys are probably excited to do it and get to ride both. And then you, you must be excited to get to talk more, too. Yeah, oh yeah, exactly. More races, more talking. I, I was looking at the schedule. More I talking. think I come yeah more talking i think i come on and uh start talking at one out there got stopped until we have the open paddock area from six to seven or something like that and then we have you know big races after that one too so man it's gonna be crazy i'm looking forward to it yeah don't some of the guys have different numbers too on the production yeah Yeah. you're really gonna have to pay attention (laughs) yeah and then and then your team has to go and screw me up and have ben lau and trent low and they're spelled exactly the same so i mean why did you guys have to do that to me I don't, I don't know that whole deal. I don't know who's right or who's wrong on that one. And I try not to argue with them, but Lao Lo, you know, it's it's kind of spelled like Lo. And when you look at like the Home Improvement Store Lowe's, it's spelled right. that way. Oh, I mean, man. I don't know. I, I might have to question Ben on that one, but I don't know. What it's, a mess. Yeah. So, uh, do you take your steel shoe with you when you go to the races and hope to get on a motorcycle, or do you, do you bring a helmet bag with you or anything like that? Man, sometimes <laughs> it depends on what race. I took my, my I took my gear bag and my stuff when we went down uh, for the Daytona trip, and I did ride my motorcycle a little bit uh, on a practice night at Savannah. And then uh, I had Casey Cisco ride it uh, all week long with the amateur stuff, so I didn't ride it anymore. But 
Uh, I did take myself, and I did get out there a little bit this year already. Dude, Casey Cisco is flying on your motorcycle too, by the way. Oh yeah, man, that kid. He was so excited, and and I was excited to to have him ride my bike, and I was pretty proud of the way he rode. Uh, considering his competition, you know, Dallas Daniels and Trevor Runner is. Those guys are really fast, and, and Casey, having never ridden my motorcycle, I thought he did excellent. Man, he he wasn't scared of sticking in, you know, in the corner with those guys either, and that was impressive because you said, you know, those other guys, those are some big names in the up and comers, you know. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, he did great. But he's a he's a Mid America rider, and that's a short track where it's very important to roll around the corners, get good starts, and roll around the corners, and that's exactly what he was doing on the half miles on my bike he was just getting excellent starts and rolling through the corners good keeping his speed up and running right there with those tough guys absolutely so uh, we're already at that part of the episode it's time for graham's question and and she knows who you've worked for in the past but she wants to know how does working with younger riders at the track differ from working with a rider with more seat time man that is a good question graham um the younger riders they just they, they don't really know what to do. They don't, they don't know the racetrack and, and they, they feel like they have to go out and prove themselves. And, uh, they have a lot to learn all day long and, and they, they struggle with, with relaying info to me for bike setup. Um, whereas the guys that have been doing it for a while, they already know what gearing they want. They already know what line they think they want to run. You know, they, they've got a pretty good idea what they want to do. And so it's, uh, it's just the, the unknown. I, I love that answer. I'm sure Graham will too, but you know, kind of along that note, it's, it definitely helps that you used to race and you can kind of see what they're doing. I mean, some of the young kids can't put into words what they need, but being a former racer, I think that makes it a little easier for you to try to help figure it out. Doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I can kind of watch the motorcycle and see what it's doing and then watch them on the bike and see how they're moving. And a lot of times, you know, when they come off the track, I already know what they're going to say. Or I already, I know what it feels like, you know, what, what they're, what they're describing. I've been there. I've felt it. Um, you know, the good part is now that I've been a mechanic for a little while, I actually know what to do about it. Whereas when I was riding, I had no idea what to do. Yeah, I, I definitely can, can understand and feel a little bit better having been a rider. Okay, I like that. So now we're at the part for our rapid-fire question, so I want you to tell me the first thing that pops into mind when I ask you the question, all right? Oh, boy, all right. What's your favorite bike you've ever ridden? Ooh, that's a tough one. I'm going to have to say, as of right now, Jared Vanderkoy's Kawasaki twin. That thing was incredible, and it's it's one that he was riding as an expert rider and so it has everything it needs to to be with the best and man was it awesome it handled so good it was so fast that's it's got to be my favorite one so far i know my dad's gonna have his feelings hurt because he probably wants me to say his kawasaki but man jared's handled really good okay is he gonna (laughs) let you is he gonna let you ride it again i don't know i hope (laughs) all right what's your favorite racetrack my favorite racetrack I mean, obviously, my home track at Lawrenceburg is is all I've ever known, so it's got to be up there. But if we're going to say other than Lawrenceburg, I would have to say the Indy Mile in practice when the track is fresh and wet and loose and you can run the high line like a cushion. Man, it's it's the best. Yeah, I, I agree, man. That that place is fun. I mean, it's a little bit dark, but, you know, usually that first practice session, whenever it's a little bit wet and the daylight's still out there, and you can 
man, just grab a handful. I, I agree with you on that one. That's pretty cool. That was, Which, uh, I, I know one time I, I, and I didn't, it didn't make me do well in qualifying, but I know I ran in qualifying wide open around Indy once on my 450 on the high line. And it was uh, like the highlight of my life as far as riding goes, man. <laughs> You can't do that very many places and that that often, so that's pretty cool, especially at Indy. Yeah, yep. Right on. Yep. So what's your favorite? What's your favorite trophy that you've ever won? Man, I have a a couple plaques from Amateur Nationals from the first year I ever went there, and uh, it was my first time in Amateur Nationals, first time ever riding a mile, and I was riding my dad's piece of junk 2003 CR250 trail bike that was beat to death. And we just threw some suspension and wheels on it just so we could have another class. So we weren't going to amateur nationals, you know, for one class. And uh, it was kind of just for fun. But I went out and somehow managed to get second place on the mile on it. And it was like the coolest, coolest race of my life as far as, you know, trophy and finish goes. That's awesome. That is awesome. Well, uh, who's, who's an up and comer we should be looking out for or keeping eyes on? You kind of hear the same thing all the time. Uh, Trent and Dallas Daniels. Um, I really think you should be watching Trevor Brunner too. He's starting to really show some signs, so I'm excited to see what he does. Um, Casey Cisco. I know he's working on building a new motorcycle, and so I'm hoping to see him, you know, do better this year. Uh, so really, those are the main kids that that I see, you know, in the Midwest racing that that are always out front. Who's going to win the championship in 2019 in the FT singles class? Hopefully a roof systems rider. I have like uh, the odds. There's, there's like nine of them, right? Ten of them. So <laughs> there's pretty good odds. But hopefully, hopefully anyone underneath the the roof systems flag. Um, All right. It's really hard to say this early. All right. What about the production twins? Now we haven't had a round yet. We've seen the starting lineup actually for round number one in Texas. Uh, who do you think's uh, going to win the championship in the the new class? Man, I don't even know what to say until I watch all these guys ride together. Um, right. You know, I, I know the roof systems rider, Ben Lau, who's been riding really hard on his Kawasaki. He's been doing a lot of training and he's really going after this, this production twins championship. So I might have to go with Ben on this one. Okay. All right. Last one, the AFT twins, who's going to win the championship. I, I would really like to see Briar win that championship. It's hard to bet against Jared Knees, and I know it's hard to bet against Brian being back on the Kawasaki, but I think Briar can get it done. I really do. That'd be awesome. I'd love to see that myself. So uh, let's see. You, okay. Brandon Bergen, and Tom Englehart, we're going to have a mechanics race. Who wins that race? <laughs> Probably Brandon Bergen. I think he's in better shape, but I don't know. I think Englehart, I think he does some running. So I would probably get third in that race. Um, I guess it depends on what bikes we're on. I mean, if we're riding twins, I think Bergen's got a lot more experience. So it would probably be him. But right. I don't know. That'd be a good one. I would love to do that. I think you know, they got a production twins class. I think they need to have an AFT mechanics class. Exactly. I'm right there with you. Let's, I think get, be... let's get Penny Tolbert out there. Let's get Michelle DeSalvo <laughs> out there. I think it would be a good race. Yeah, there's man, there's more mechanics. Yeah, exactly. There's more mechanics that used to race now than probably ever before. But uh, last question for you: What are you most proud of? I I would have to say the championship with Colby. That was uh, a lot of fun. We worked really hard and uh, did a lot of driving, a lot of traveling, and and 
you know, jumping on the new bike, it, it was, it was a tough one. And I'm, I'm really proud to have been a part of that with him. Awesome. Well, we're at the very end of the episode. It's your chance to say thanks to anybody you'd like to have at it. First, I got to say thanks to my mom and dad for being a part of this racing life that I've had my entire life. Um, second and probably the most important one, uh, my wife, Jennifer, uh, she has been putting up with this racing stuff for like the last 10 years with me and is letting me travel all the time, letting all these racers drag in and out of our house whenever they want and, uh, work on their bikes and, and, and she's just always in there for me. And uh, I got to really thank her. And then, uh, got to thank Western Hills, Honda, Yamaha at home in Cincinnati. They've always supported me through my entire racing career. And they still do now, even as a mechanic, they let me order all my parts there and everything and give me a credit. And so, uh, those guys have really been there for me. And, and then last, uh, gotta be my, my grandpa, John, he, uh, he was the one that kind of got this racing thing going for the whole family. And I got to thank him. And then, uh, also, uh, roof systems, Gary Stinchfield, uh, I wouldn't be here without him. Uh, he, he decided he wanted to have me on the team and I'm, uh, I'm proud to be here. So I got to thank him. And, uh, and then you and, and Carter for having me on, man, I can't believe you, you invited me on. I don't know what I did to be worthy of being on here, but, uh, I'm thanking you guys for, for calling me up. Hey, no problem. It's good catching up with you. I, I learned a lot of stuff about you. I had no idea. And, uh, man, I just wish you much success and, uh, tomorrow night in Texas and on for the 2019 season. And, again, thanks so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. Andrew Butler, ladies and gentlemen. And th- that was good stuff, man. I, I don't know. I didn't know much about him, and now I feel like he's, you know, just one of the guys. You, I mean, he's got well, the same story as yeah, me. He's, uh, I was, that's what I was going to say. I was surprised how much you guys have in common. Third-generation flat tracker traveling with their you know he traveled with his dad you know yeah. and, and that, that's what i did and you know it's it's it seems like the same stories what we keep hearing but you know there's a, a lot in common with a lot of these racers you know and it's it's really cool you know they all are doing it for the passion of the sport doing it for family time and and i i, I love that interview man it was great it's good to see him land with roof systems and uh on a team where he's happy in an environment where he loves um and uh not just helping one rider but helping several riders um be better at what they do I, you gave me a hard time because you like that big word that I use. What, ginormous? Yes. I didn't give you a hard time. I just thought it was funny. Okay, it's a ginormous team. Nine riders is ginormous. Ginormous. He, he, he said he doesn't help out the Red Bull KTM team. They've got their own you know, right. mechanics. But he, he can go help those seven other riders. And, you know, that's a fleet of motorcycles to you know, take care of. Everybody has at least two. Yeah, it's a big team. It's Some would even say it's ginormous <laughs> sorry couldn't help myself it's, a, it's okay Carter so what's good Texas this week and then what is it six weeks I'm I'm seven weeks straight because I'm doing Bubba Blackwell jump on May the 4th you know, uh, May the 4th be with you yeah. so I'm seven weeks in a row I did uh, monster trucks last weekend in Enid Oklahoma not too far from home and uh, now seven more weeks in a row and uh, having some fun trying to get back on the the two wheels. We're definitely gonna have our flat track fill come, you know, end of May, mid July. We're gonna we're gonna get our fill here in the next few weeks. So uh, it's coming, and we're gonna be pretty busy because we're gonna be previewing races, recapping races. Are you still planning on doing your pit stuff afterwards? I was wondering if you're gonna ask me that. And you know, I was. It's good. It's great content, Scotty. People love it. 
So are you going to watch the race on fanschoice.tv? Absolutely. I've only missed one this year, but there's only been two, so I'm 50-50. I will, I will watch this entire race, I guarantee you. I have an idea. What's up? One episode, we're going to enter. I'm going to interview you. Hmm. <laughs> yep. We'll get there. That way, that way, people will know where you came from, oh, how you fit in, and we'll know your background because it's it's interesting as well. Yeah, I don't know. Some might debate that, but we'll see. Maybe one day. I put you on the spot. Yeah, you did. Didn't expect that one. Before we go, what? Smash that like button. I'll do it. Tell all your friends about Off the Groove. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk. We'll talk to you next Friday. Dude, I cannot wait for Texas. It's gonna be a blast. Can't wait to hear the recap after Texas. And uh, you know, I'm looking forward to Arizona next week too. So, whoo, buddy. I'll let you know if I go to Bucky's. By the way. Oh, you had to say Bucky's. <laughs> Beaver Nuggets. Go, go play with your new toys. All right, dude. I'm out. We'll talk to you next week. See you next week. Later. Later.